Welcome to Opus Private Clients Wealth Style Podcast. All of the material discussed on our podcasts have specific themes, and that's to move your wealth and lifestyle forward, increase your purpose, and provide you with clarity and confidence. Opus's mantra is always forward. We have found that regardless of one's wealth, moving your lifestyle forward is the number one priority for our clients. On our podcast, we'll share our rich 35 years of experience in designing strategies, share clients' experiences, and introduce resources that have positively impacted our clients. We trust that you will enjoy our direct, transparent, and realistic approach to positively impacting the quality of you and your family's lives. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Opus Private Client Wealth Style Podcast. My name is Ivan Watanabe. I'll be your host today. Uh, on with us today is a good buddy of mine, uh, a great guy, Mike Manzi. Today, I'm really excited about the topic because I think it's really relevant in what's going on in the world today. Mike um, has been able to build a successful consulting practice and utilize some of the social media training and background that he has to, to help ramp up that business. So I'm really excited to have you on, Mike, today to kind of share you know, what it is that you're up to. So welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Thanks, Yvonne. Awesome. Awesome. So before we start, just kind of fill the audience on who you are, um, tell them a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your, your background um, and, and sort of where, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Mike and I run a sales consulting firm that helps companies build organization, the sales organization from the ground up or turn around an existing organization. And where this all really started is, and I know we're going to go too far back here, Yvonne, but my father is class clown, teacher torment, and I got half of that in my brain. And my mother is <laughs> Excel nerd, uh, math major. And so I have that half of my brain. So even though I've been in sales for the last 15 years, my success and the reason that I've been a successful VP of sales has come from dividing those two things and saying, how do we use the right language? How do we convince people to do what we want them to do from my father's side, but also how do I stay consistent and how do I build a, a repeatable process sort of from that mm -hmm. math side? And I've been lucky enough to work with some organizations where I've taken them from zero dollars in sales to seven million dollars in sales, or turned around organizations that are um, failing and have them go to two hundred and fifty, five hundred thousand dollars in sales per month. And whether I've been a sales rep for the first seven or eight years of my career, let's call it exclusively, where. I used the power of language to help people move the, the deal across the finish line. And now over the last seven or eight years doing that from a management capacity, what I find is whether you're motivating a person to buy or a person to motivate a person to buy, the language you use and the techniques that you use make a big difference. Um, so that's what I've been doing and I'm doing it for clients right now. I love it. And and are you, what, what side of the sort of spectrum in, do you enjoy most? Is it more of the coaching aspect and getting sales sales professionals to be a better sales team or improve a sales team? Or do you like the selling aspect of it yourself? So great question. If you do anything in sales, you know the best feeling in the world is getting someone to buy your product. Period. Sure. End of story. Full stop. That's it. If you get into leadership, you know that there's actually a better feeling and it's when somebody else comes to you to brag that they just closed a deal and they use some of your tips. Yep. So the most fun, exciting, on the edge, jumping off of an airplane feeling is when I'm on the phone trying to help someone close a deal. 
but I think what I enjoy more is creating a scalable process for multiple people. I, I say, whenever someone says, you know, why do you do what you do? It's really cheesy, but I, I really think that it's everyone's purpose on the planet to make a big impact on other people. And it's really just the purpose of life is to figure out what is your magic that can align with it making an impact on other people. And for me, that just happens to be sales tips for sales reps, sales organizational building for CEOs. Both of those things allow me to make an impact. One for smaller impact, you know, one or two individual people and one for a much bigger impact in entire organization. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, I think, you know, for me, just kind of watching you build this business and, and seeing your success in, in sales consulting, it's very obvious to me that you enjoy what it is that you're doing, right? And that is a really impactful place to start and, and sort of understanding your purpose. How long, how long ago did you kind of figure that out? How did you, how did you come across that? Right. I mean, you know, did it just sure. sort of dawn on you one day or is, o- over time you kind of evolved? So everybody sort of over their twenties and thirties kind of figures out what are they good at? What are they not good at? And they see some patterns. So for me, when I was actually working at career builder and I was one of the fastest or youngest sales reps to get promoted to to a higher role. They gave me the entire entirety of Canada to start building their brand there. But what I found was I was just creating a little process for myself. Like I was not necessarily that much better at sales and anybody next to me, we're all selling the same product. We all have the same sort of clients. But I every day would track my calls, my meetings, the meetings run, my win rate, my average deal size. And I had a, the way that I used our CRM, I'd look at always what, what is the next step I have for every person. And when I did that, I found success. And so everybody around me who saw, you know, I wasn't necessarily the best. I was 25 or however old I was. I was like, how the heck are you beating me? And so they would look at that process. And when I saw other people, just by me sharing what I'm doing, seeing success, that's when I sort of got, had that awakening. Oh, I can make an impact on everybody around me, not just myself. This is amazing. And so I actually got into management a couple months later and started making an impact in the team quickly. And that was it. Like I, I couldn't stop from there. Um, so that's when it really dawned on me. I mean, that, that said, where I really felt where I really started to hit the ground running and make a big impact was at this company Workable where they were at $0 in sales, brand new company. And when I left two and a half years later, they were at $7 million in sales. And I had grown the team from, uh, I think they had four reps when I walked in to 18 reps. And we opened up offices in the UK and Australia and San Francisco and uh, Greece, as well as Boston. And there I learned a lot about taking an organization up market as well Mm -hmm. as getting boards to see the process that we've put in place to be one that they could invest money in. And we ended up get, getting uh, $28 million in funding as a result of that. So that's where I, really hit the, where I really saw a lot of success. And now I'm happy that I'm doing it for, for multiple companies at the same time. Yeah. You know, I think what stands out for me is sort of two things. One is just your sort of overall abundance mentality right? Because I think a lot of sales reps view the other sales reps as competitors. And, you know, I'm willing to have my sales, but I'm not going to share any tips with you because we're competing. But in reality, if you're, you have your own sort of territory, you have your own area, then you should want to support your other peers because it just helps the overall company, right? So one, I think just your overall abundance mentality is is incredibly valuable. The other thing here is that 
what's really unique about you from an outsider's perspective is just most sales managers that I see are failed sales reps, right? (laughs) They are, they couldn't hack it as a sales rep. And so the company says, okay, well, we like this person, so let's try to repurpose them. But then you sort of have a failed person teaching them and coaching them, and hopefully they can do better, but maybe not. And in your case, you were successful as a sales rep and then able to sort of say, okay, I can take my talents, but I like to, again, from an abundance mentality, share those secrets and build an organization. Um, That's a really unique that's a really unique skill set for you um, and trajectory, which again, I think is just uh, super, super interesting. Thanks, Yvonne. And I think that um, to double down on what you're saying too, when you start to share tips, tricks or whatever with other people, they start to come back to you with tips, tricks, because there's nobody on the planet who has all of the tips and tricks. You're gonna learn so much from other people around you. So as you give, you, you definitely start receiving back and I think that the reason that so many people or one of the things that makes management easier for folks that are failed sales reps is they feel like they're no no longer accountable to the number. As a sales rep, you're like, I have a target. My boss can fire me at any given point in time, right? As a sales leader, though, it's not my fault. If the sales team doesn't do well, they stink. And I'm just going to hide behind dashboards. And when I go to talk to the executives about how the sales team is doing, I'm going to mention uh, KPI 1, KPI 2, KPI 3 that look amazing. And I'm going to downplay KPI 4 through 25 that are terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of organizations allow that to happen and, and have sales managers sit around and kind of do nothing. Where what I found the difference between being a good sales manager and a great sales manager is stop focusing processes and that kind of stuff that may sound counterintuitive to even what I'm saying, but if you focus on helping the sales reps close deals, you will find opportunities to change processes that really make a difference Mm -hmm. versus coming in and saying, process X is not good. I need to fix that. And just focusing on the process for process sake as opposed to revenue. Yeah. So, I mean, why don't we start there a little bit? You know, I'm curious, your consulting practice, tell the audience a little bit about sort of what it is. And, you know, if you can share a couple of tips that you're, that you've been sharing that you're kind of hanging your hat on for different organizations, whether it be for the management team or for the sales reps individually, like I'm I'm curious, you know, sort of, um, what you've been sharing these days. All right. Well, get ready to have to cut me off in my organization for consulting. I basically do three things. I either give them the tools to build their sales organization. So a financial model for how to hit it, um, an outbound uh, model for how to hit their goal, a hiring <laughs> model for how to how to do the right hiring, comp plan models. And I hand it off to, the, to them to say, here you go. This is how you do what you need to do. I'll customize the scripts. I'll customize the sequences. Here you go. Basically, give me sales out of the box. I need something in 30 days where I can start getting leads in my pipeline. Cool, done. The other is that exact same thing, but then I'll even manage it for you. What I found is that leadership doesn't require 40 hours a week. It really requires really focused and really efficient meetings within a week. And so I will run those meetings for you so that you as the owner can sit back, have your sales process run, see revenue coming in the door, and have a meeting with me once a month to tell you how great everything is going or changes that we need to make. (coughs) And then the other side of it is coaching. So either coaching leaders or coaching reps. 
And there's probably a variety of different things people need for coaching. Some are, hey, come to my organization and do a speech in front of a couple thousand people. Some are more, hey, I got Tom, Tom stinks, make him better. And some are more, I need someone ongoing for all my onboarding of new reps so that we have um, a boot camp running. So those mm-hmm. are the three things that I'm that I'm doing today. Where a, cu- a couple of major tips that I would give to owners of organizations or anybody who wants to build a sales org. A couple things here. Number one, do not hire people based on what you think you can afford or based on, I want to just get my toe in the water. Too many owners I see say, I'm just going to hire one sales rep because I'm comfortable with that. Well, if your goal is $1 million and you are only comfortable with one sales rep, but when you and I talk, we realize that one sales rep cannot bring in $1 million based on your win rate, your average deal size, and the number of leads you're getting in the door today, then you have to hire more sales reps mm-hmm. or the inverse. I've also seen companies that are paying $40,000 a month for uh, companies to have SDRs create pipeline for them, but they don't need that much pipeline generated to hit their numbers. So I'm like, you're, you're, you're going overboard. So only hire, like hire what you need for your goal. Don't hire what you need for your soul. Wow. Just, just to make it rhyme there. Love that. Um, <laughs> the the other thing is pay your people correctly. Mm. The way that you should be paying your sales reps is the total cost of your sales team. If you have SDRs, so the base and, and variable of SDRs, the base and variable of the AEs, that thing combined should not exceed 20% of your gross profit. If your gross profit per month from those people is $100,000, your payroll should not exceed $20,000. If it is, there's a very good chance that as a business, you're not running very profitably. Yeah. Can you can you expound on that a little bit? Because I what I find is, so most of my clients on this in, in the sales industry, right, whether it's at Amazon or Google or, you know, in the tech space, I find that the largest complaint is not necessarily the company. It's not about you know, um, how benefits are going or whatever it might be, they're closing deals, but then they, the, the, they feel as though they're doing such a great job that next year they're going to triple down on their sales goal to cut their comp. And so, you know, there's almost this dichotomy of, well, I don't want to almost sell too much this year because I don't want them to take that number and then, you know, increase my sales goals exponentially. So there's no way I can hit that next year and I won't make as much money. Right. So what do you think the fine line is there between an appropriate increase in sales goals and, you know, something that a company is just doing to basically keep that revenue in house? Yep. A couple of things. First of all, if they're, if a company, for a sales rep, if a company is going to increase your sales target, but your variable comp stays the same, leave. If your company is increasing your target, but your variable comp varies, meaning you're still getting 10% commission, whatever it is, the number is larger, but if you hit that number, you will also make more money because you're going to get paid, you're getting paid on every dollar you sell. That's fine. So don't sweat that. Second, of course that a company is going to increase targets every year we don't do that to try to save on costs we do do that because we're trying to grow a company 
Mm-hmm. If you and I were growing a company tomorrow morning, we, we would not be saying, look at us. We sold a million bucks. You know what we should do next year? A million bucks. Right. And so, so true is if the sales rep was in charge of the company, they'd be like, we, we got to sell more too. Now, one way to do that is to hire more folks. And I'm willing to bet at all these organizations where they're trying to grow next year, the advertising budget's going up, the hiring budget's going up, as so as to the uh, sales targets are going up. So it's one thing that's going up. So don't think that the whole company is like, hey, we're trying to do more next year. It's 100% on you and we're going to pay you less to do it. It's mm-hmm. actually more, we're trying to grow a business. We're going to grow a lot of things in the business, including your target and other things as well. That said, when a company is growing their target, too often I see a couple big mistakes. When you're making your plan for the following year, whatever it is, two things you should be including in that, ramp and seasonality. So what we see a lot of times is let's say October, November, December, the company is averaging $100,000 a month in sales. And then the company says, okay, next year we want to do whatever, $3 million. And so somebody in finance goes back and says, okay, $3 million divided by 12, that's $300,000 in sales, bingo. And so everybody signs off on that. And then you go, well, well what, what makes you think we're going to triple our sales from December to January? Oh, I guess that doesn't make any sense. Yes, build mm-hmm. in some ramp there. Talk to marketing. How long will it take you to get the leads you need to get the sales to a point where they can get to 300,000? Sales uh, managers, how long will it take for your win rate to increase in order to get us to 300,000? So that way, it really is, uh, to do $3 million a year will never be 300,000 a month. It's gonna be like 120,000, 180,000, 210,000. Mm-hmm. And then it's gonna end up being towards the back half of the year, 400, $500,000 a month. The second thing is seasonality. We typically will just take an Excel spreadsheet, you know, put the cursor or the crosshairs over the bottom right-hand corner and drag it across, right? Yep. What we got to think about is, do we have slow summer months? Is September a terrible month for us every year? Does anybody buy the month of December? Include those things in there so that you don't end up saying, we're doing great going into the next month and doing terribly and saying, wait, we actually missed our target. So those are a couple of things that are really important when you are building that. And, Got it. So, um, so making, I, I think part of this is also looking at historical data, right? So you have to have, you absolutely. have to keep track of the way things are going, right? In order for you to have that type of information. And I think that's where a lot of sales organizations or sales reps fall short where you're saying, Hey, listen, I keep track of my stuff, right? You know, yeah, you've got to be able to understand what tracking, those numbers are. Because I think that there's a lot in here. And I, I talked to two people in the last two days that said, Hey, I'm doing well as a sales rep. I'm trying to get to VP. What do I got to do? Mm-hmm. And my tip is get an Excel spreadsheet. In On the left-hand side, have revenue, total sales, total deals to proposal, total deals created, total activities, total contacts. Then use a formula to say, what is my average deal size? What is my win rate? What is my conversion rate from proposal to one? What is my conversion rate from uh, a deal to proposal? What is my activity to to deal rate? What is my contact to deal rate? If you track those things, what you've basically shown is you've created this pipeline and all the connectors, the connectors being the, the conversion rates. And so two, three, four months goes by and you have a bad month. Now, what you're gonna do is when you're, in the shower, think, oh, it's because that one deal pushed. 
oh, it's because I didn't get enough leads or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. When if you were to look at the sheet, you could see, oh, for some reason, my proposal to one rate has been going down over the last couple months. Hmm. Or last month, my average deal size dropped in half. Hmm. So instead of having to diagnose a very vague cloud of a problem, sales are down, you can actually pinpoint the problem. And I'll give you a good example of this. I'm working with a company right now where we saw um, sales were going down. So when I came in and identified their proposal to one rate was 85% consistently. So 85% of deals that get the proposal end up signing and signing up. So what we did was we changed all sorts of processes to every single thing was focused on getting a proposal out. Yep. So I changed the SDR's comp to not meetings book, but actually meetings getting to proposal. I changed the all the the reporting I was doing to sales reps wasn't one deals. It was te- it was getting deals to proposal. Everything was moved to, to to that spot. And now looking back a year, we have increased the win rate sixty five percent year over year. Uh, and so that's a huge. <laughs> impacted the business all because I was able to look at that one issue and move motions to that one issue. Got it. Yeah. And I, I think that's incredibly important, right? Just tracking it and being able to, like you said, diagnose what the actual issue is, not sort of something that's theoretical and just say, oh, we're not selling enough. We need to sell more. We need to see more people. Why don't we shift a little bit to your TikTok channel, which TikTok. is, which is, which is which is unbelievable to me. You know, I I love what you're doing there. You know, in a short period of time. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in, in a couple of months, we went from zero subscribers to, to what sixty thousand. I mean, what, what's the number yeah. at now? Yeah, we went from zero to sixty two thousand followers in eight months, and then I've translated that into about a thousand uh, email and text subscribers to, to get them off the platform, and over two hundred thousand dollars in sales in the last three months that's incredible I, I love what you're doing there you know why don't you kind of just tell us a little bit about how you sort of chose tiktok you know why is that the optimal medium yep. for you right now you know what do you like about it what do you not like about it and sort of you know shares just some tips on how you're you're converting those over to, to sales sure so TikTok and LinkedIn are very unique and they're the only two major social media platforms where when you create content, they share it to strangers. Mm-hmm. If I create content on Facebook or Instagram, it just goes to my friends. If I create content on TikTok, the way TikTok works is they take your video, they send it to 200 people. They see if those 200 people like it, watch it, whatever. And if they do, they send it to 1,000 people. And if they like it, watch it, whatever, they send it to 10,000 people. And so they are trying, they are actively trying to make your content go viral. That's super um, interesting. Right? Very different than all those other. And LinkedIn does the same thing, but not quite at the same level mm-hmm. of TikTok, right? On LinkedIn, it matters more if they if someone shares your post or whatever. So people have to take a little bit more action. Where on TikTok, all you have to do is really focus on two metrics. Um watch time and I think comments. So, or sorry, I should say watch time slash completion ratio and comments. So if they watch your your video for 10 seconds, it's valuable. For 20 seconds, extremely valuable. For 30 seconds, it's going to go viral. Okay. If they watch your, your video for 10 seconds, 
and they watch the entire video, very, very valuable. More valuable than if they watch it for nine and a half seconds. Mm-hmm. And then comments. I just find the more comments people have, the way better the post does. So I've been making some a little bit more controversial <laughs> videos recently where or I'll, I'll even sort of trigger people in the comment uh, where I'll say, like, you know, prove me wrong. And people will argue in the comments with each other, and that really starts boosting things. Interesting. But that's why I chose TikTok. Um, now, I think that the thing that gets everybody worried whenever I say TikTok, and they're I'm like, you should do it for your business. It's crazy how much outbound, how much inbound you're going to get from it, mm-hmm. is they don't know what type of content to make, or they're kind of afraid to get in front of the camera. In the beginning, I just went and looked up anybody who was in sales and wrote down like what, what are the kinds of formats they would do? Okay, they have a kind of hook in the beginning and then they kind of explain it and then they have a call to action of some kind at the end. All right, cool. This guy does a story and kind of walks around his house. All right, cool. This guy is doing sort of a role play. All right, that those are a couple different formats. Mm-hmm. And I just took, took some of the tips that would come up in my day. You know, I was on a call, X happened, I handled objection. I'd get on my phone, make a TikTok, do it in one of those formats, post it, see what happened. And um, so you don't need to do crazy filming or anything. For the last six months, maybe, I only film in my car on my way back from daycare <laughs> when I drop my kid <laughs> off in the morning. Yeah. I yeah. only, I, and it's, people are always like, stop doing it in your car. But the way you film is just you hold the, the button down and you take it off when you want to take a break. So yeah. I'm still keeping my eyes on the road. But that's all you got to do to make these good videos. And honestly, a lot of the videos that do well are just, I take a video of me on the couch just looking at the camera and then I just add the text in afterwards like, you know, when I work with the client and they make a million dollars in sales, it's awesome. You know, something like that. Yeah, it's super interesting, right? Because it's so relatable the way you just kind of record it in your car. Like, it's just like Mm -hmm. as if somebody was in the car and you guys were having a conversation about whatever the topic is and it was just some, you know, just you two chatting. Right, it yeah, wasn't the, the or like somebody kind of sure gets in your head. A lot more. Where I, I think Instagram is very heavy on uh, the aesthetic, mm. if you will. Mm-hmm. TikTok is all about the authenticity. Like, don't don't overfilter your photos. Mm. Just be real. Like, some of my best things are people like where I drop my phone. Um, I think some of the best videos right now are actually people just making coffee, and as yeah. they're like putting the beans in the roaster, they're talking, and they yep. do really well because people are like, like you said, I'm just hanging out with you. So yeah. that's definitely how why I chose TikTok. It, it's Ask funny. It feels like it feels like a t- the way you do TikTok. If I swear, it feels like it's like a thought bubble above your head, <laughs> and then that's like what's in the thought bubble. You know what I mean? Like I'm in yeah, the totally. shower. This is just what I'm thinking about. I'm driving in the car. This is what I'm thinking about. It just feels so. Um, yeah, authentic is the right word, right? It just feels right. like very like intimate and authentic and just like not scripted. Totally. And what, what, I see, what I see other people that are giving great tips doing wrong is they're overworking their videos. They're like all these images or words and like trying to come in and look cool and say something like amazing. And I'm like, just shut up. Just tell me as though as though we're sitting in a cubicle and I go, hey, man, I got to do X better. And what would you say? You'd lean over and go, listen, when you want to do X better, you got to do it like this. And here's why you do it. And that's how it yep. makes sense. And everybody goes, oh, yep. cool. That's what they want. Yep. yep. And, and you, did you, the, the function of 
One of the things that I think people make a mistake on that I really like about yours is it has the text at the in the video because a lot of people can't have the sound on wherever they're yep. watching these videos, right? So they're they're sitting there, they're watching your video and they're reading it versus, you know, listening to it. Is that is that something you did deliberately? Is it something you even thought about? Never even thought about it because they have a little button right on there that just says add captions. So I don't have to Got type it. them or anything. It just auto puts them in. Now, <laughs> TikTok doesn't get them right all the time. That said, one of the things I'm doing as a way to monetize TikTok, and we could talk a lot about taking them off the platform and monetizing it, but one of the things I'm doing is I have a virtual assistant who's going through my TikToks uh, and putting into a Google slide deck an image of the TikTok, a link to the video. I have it on all my TikToks are on Instagram and YouTube as well. So a link to the Instagram, a link to the, to the YouTube. And then she writes down the copy of what I actually said on the right-hand side. And she does two things with that. One is she takes that text and she posts it to LinkedIn. So now I'm repurposing all my content on LinkedIn and I'm growing my followers on LinkedIn. Cool. And the second thing is um, we're putting that together as a product so that I can sell to clients. Hey, do you want to get all of my tips on prospecting? Here, here it is. You can get the visual medium, choose your social media platform, or the text medium. Add this to your onboarding for your new hires. Add this to some playbook you want to make so I can, I can sell that. That's incredible, right? Because you're basically taking a 15, 20 second video that you're creating and then scaling it up extremely fast on multiple different social media platforms and then packaging it so that you can sell that 30 second video as part of your value prop. I mean, it's exactly, it's, yeah. It's awesome. I pay her Very maybe cool. 150 bucks, 200 bucks a week. She goes, she posts all my content to Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, plus makes this product. I have a, she does, she sends out my emails for my subscription. Um, it's wonderful. Awesome. And, and so, you know, what are some of the things that you really want to make sure that the audience takes away from, you know, your, either your sales tips or your, um, or sort of how you build a TikTok business? I mean, what are, kind of share some, some takeaways that people can walk away from. Sure. So takeaway number one, and I'm sure I won't remember the numbers every time here, would be... <laughs> Just get on TikTok and LinkedIn and start making content that is actually imp usable in the moment. If you're giving content that's a cool idea, but no one can actually do anything with it, don't, don't do that. The only mm -hmm. thing that matters is that the info you're giving must allow the person to use that tip, see the results of it, and then realize on their own, you're amazing. And the result of that is you'll at least I'm a result of that. The result of that for me has been 15 minute conversations that are discovery demo proposal, close calls for 30, $40,000 because mm -hmm. they already are bought in. They already know that the, the process, the second thing is you have way more products in your brain than you think you do. There's three products I sell right now. I sell my sequences. I sell my VP of sales, 90 day playbook. And I sell a third thing, which you can check out on my link tree if you want to go there. And I'm sure the, the notes, will, the link will be in the bio here. Yep. But all of those things really are, are what I'm doing, what I have done, what has been effective for me and all my clients written down in a way that a stranger can read it and use it as opposed to just written down so I can use it. And I'm selling those now on that link tree and it's generating about $4,000 a month just from people going on TikTok, seeing it, saying, hey, what does this guy have for other products? Seeing products that probably took me 
you know, no more than a couple hours to make once and are now, you know, a little passive income stream. Yeah. I, what I love about the whole approach, Mike, and, and again, just sort of going back to, I think one of your major strengths around abundance is, and this is so counterintuitive to, to the way people used to think, which is I'm going to give as much information as I possibly can in a digestible fashion for people to take on their own, right? And when I do that, when I put all of this insight out into the universe, they're going to come back and buy from me, right? Which doesn't make any sense because if I'm putting all this information out there, then why would they need me? But the reality is you give them just enough where they understand this person knows what they're talking about and I need him or her to fill in the rest of those gaps so then I'll, they I'll hire I'll even push you, back. Right? I agree with you, obviously, um, but I'll even push back just to make it super clear. Anybody could look at my TikToks, watch all of them, and do exactly for their organization what I do for the organization. Mm -hmm. They're not choosing, they're, they're not working with me because they're saying, I don't have the knowledge. They're working with me because they're saying, I don't want to do it. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm giving you enough to actually see the results. And I would say every person I've talked to and sold um, my, my services to, the conversation starts like this. TikTok, huh? I know, man. What are we doing? A couple of guys in their 30s and 40s on TikTok. <laughs> and then, you know, Mike, I was reaching out. I wanted to reach out to you because I did X and it really worked. And it was crazy. It worked so quickly. So I just had to figure out, like, what else do you do and what can you do for my business? Yeah. So it's only when you actually give them stuff that they see that works that can actually get them to say, you do it for me. I trust you. Yep. I love that. I love that. Any anything else that you want to make sure as we kind of wrap up, you, you know, we'll obviously we'll give your your info before we wrap up. But any other things you want the audience to kind of take away from the conversation today? I think that I'm, I'm hoping what the audience takes away is simply TikTok is ninety percent B two B B two C sales platform mm -hmm. and ten percent fun video platform for kids. Get on there, make some content, and watch the inbounds come in. Make it as impactful as humanly possible and create other ways of getting them off the platform, like having an email list or a gum road to have products on um, or a link tree where they can book time with you. And I think I'll, I'll finish off with what you've been talking about, this, this idea of abundance, which, which is very interesting hearing you say that so much about me, but... I have my Calendly link right in my bio so that anybody can book time with me. So right before this meeting, I'm helping a sales rep who's brand new into um, his career. And he said, why the heck are you taking a call with me? And I'm like, listen, if, if I make it easy to take a call with me, I can make an impact on a lot of people. And if I'm too busy, I can, of course, cancel on you. No sweat. But I want to make an impact on people. And I find that me being open to having a conversation with an AE has allowed me to unlock uh, larger opportunities with organizations because they're like, wow, this guy's great. I'm going to intro my boss. Yep. Some that go, some go nowhere and some are just businesses. But if you don't open that, that direct line of communication with you, you're missing out. Yep. For sure. I love that. Well, Mike, where can the audience find your TikTok videos and, and learn a little bit more about the sales consulting business that you have? Sure. So my website is mmsalesconsulting.com. My TikToks, I have two different ones. One is at official sales tips. The other is at official sales leader tips for all of you owners and leaders out there. You can find me on pretty much any social platform with at official sales tips for LinkedIn or, and, uh, or sorry, for Instagram and YouTube. On LinkedIn, it's uh, LinkedIn 
dot com slash in slash Mike Manzi seven. And let's get in touch. Book a time with me, calendly.com slash sales Mike. And I'm here for you. Love it. Mike, I, as always, man, I appreciate the time. I'm, I know that the audience took a lot of, uh, away from it. I certainly did. Um, thanks again. And uh, to you, the, the listening audience, um, please subscribe below to f- get contacted when our future podcasts get released. Um, we will certainly be pushing these out on all of the podcast platforms that are out there. So thank you very much and, and, uh, and be well. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Style Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Mike Manzi and MM Sales Consulting are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS Guardian or Opus Private Client, and opinions stated are their own. External sites and material are provided for your convenience in locating related information and services. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees expressly disclaim any responsibility for and do not maintain, control, recommend, or endorse third-party sites, organizations, products, or services, and make no representation as to the completeness, suitability, or quality thereof. Yvonne Watanabe is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Yvonne's California Insurance License Number 0H44206. Compliance Approval 2022-137748 expires May 2024.